Welcome to the NBDA podcast, interviews with industry leaders and subject experts from across the business development world. Join us as we talk about real-world experiences, challenges, and opportunities that can take your career to the next level. The NBDA podcast is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Dave Spray. Hi, this is David Spray. Welcome to another episode of the National Business Development Association podcast. My guest today is Lori Lee White. She's a partner at BVA Group right here in Houston, and she's also a board member of NBDA. And we had a great conversation around how she became involved with NBDA, why she decided to join the board, some of the great uh, experiences she's had from being involved and uh, great uh, friendship she's made. So it really was an interesting perspective on NBDA. We also talked about some of her business development best practices, things she does to build rapport, and an interesting idea around that serving clients very well is a form of business development also. So whether you've been in business development a long time, or you're relatively new, Lori Lee is a rising star in the Houston business community, and there's a lot of great nuggets in here. Now, let's get to the episode. Hi, Lori Lee. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So what the heck is BVA Group? Does it stand for anything, or is it just some random made-up initials? It's, it's the latter, although I find it very ironic that the name we operated under immediately prior to becoming BVA Group was Business Valuation Advisors. I'm told there's no correlation, but I find that very strange. Um, so BVA- <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah, what are the odds? Right, right. So BVA is a full-service valuation firm with offices in Houston, Dallas, and New York. Uh, independent okay. valuation firm, about 65 professionals. Um, we don't play in the audit or tax world, just valuation. Okay. And what would be the, um, so, so what would be the type of companies or individuals who would typically hire you? What's, you know, kind of your top three or four, like, you know, most likely type of clients you would have business or individual and why would they hire you? Sure. Yeah, so typically nobody wakes up and thinks, gee, I'm going to go get evaluation. Really? There's some body or some governing body saying to the end client, you have to go get evaluation for X reason. So typically there's, there are regulatory reasons. So in a gift or estate tax world, right, the IRS is saying, hey, end client, you want to do this gift or hey, estate of end client you have to go get your assets valued for some form of a a tax return or there in the financial reporting world, there's, you know, gap in the SEC or um, international accounting standards that say, Hey, look, you went out and bought this company. Now you've got to go get a purchase price allocation done to value the assets that you bought, be it tangible and intangible assets, Um, things like that. That would be, and, and so typically, you know, the lawyer or the CPA are saying to the end client, Go pay for this appraisal. Go get this appraisal done for whatever the reason is, right? It's, it's generally transaction driven, but also regulatory and you know driven in nature. 
Okay. So that helps. Thank you. Do your new clients come to you all mostly through referral or, or is it just, you know, other marketing uh, efforts? It's all referral based. You know, I tell people we're kind of the LIFO from the accounting world, right? We're the last and first out and we, our job <laughs> is, to, right. is to go in there make our referral source look good and that we're not annoying. We get in there, we get the job done, we get out quickly, right? With as little pain as possible on the client. So, so everything that all of our work is referral based, you know, whoever is the quarterback of whatever the process is, wealth advisor, CPA, lawyer, lender, and then occasionally we'll get, and not occasionally, that's a lot. I would say about, you know, 40 to 50% of the time we have repeat clients. So, Certain parts of our practice, you have to get evaluation done every year, right? Because okay. that becomes a repeat client for us. Or controller or CFO A works at company B and then leaves and takes a job at company C and has the same types of needs for evaluations. And so we follow um, that individual to their new job. Okay. Th thank you for that uh, insight. So other than trying to be not annoying, do you have any other things that differentiate you from just some uh, random valuation firm? Yeah. And by the way, I like the, I like the not annoying part. I'm going to add that to our <laughs> differentiation. We try not to be annoying. No guarantees, but we try. Right. Right. So look, if you go hire, I tell people this all the time when they ask, you know, why would we hire you over a competitor? The truth is that, there are very good valuation firms out there. There's a, a handful of very good firms. So from an end work product, you know, you can hire us or one of our competitors and, and likely have a very similar answer and outcome. Our, I think truly our, our competitive advantage is, is responsiveness. I tell some clients it makes me seem as though I don't have a life, but I'll respond to an email from you at all hours of the day, all days of the week, you know, on an airplane or working out or whatever. And if we we commit to a time frame, a deadline with a client, we're not going to miss that deadline. Right. Unless okay. there's some external client data driven factor that, that's outside of our control, we are not going to you know, sit on our laurels and not meet whatever deadline we've committed to with the client. Okay. So that responsiveness, I've got it. And then it also strikes me, like I use this analogy, like if somebody's looking to do a transaction and they would ask me, hey, we've narrowed it down to, to V&E, Fulbright and Baker Botts, which... Geez, some of those firms have changed names probably. I know Norton Rose bought Fulbright. I don't even know about Baker Botts and V&E. Are they still independent? Do you know? I, I think so, but I call them all I, – I still call Fulbright Fulbright, right? So I, right. I hear you. <laughs> so it's like I tell people, they're like, which firm should we use? I, I, I'm like, they're all great. They're all going to be expensive. They're all going to have a good work product. Like, who do you have a relationship with? You know, who do you like? You know, that's how you decide – and I imagine your world's a little bit the same way, right? If they're looking at other top-notch firms, pricing's probably similar, and uh, it's probably their, the advisor's relationship with you that's really the differentiator, right? Absolutely. Right. That's right. Okay. So let's now talk about the National Business Development Association. You ever heard of the outfit? Very well. <laughs> okay. How did you how did you learn some of the original board members that were were contacts in my professional network. So obviously Christine, Mike Siegel were a couple that I can recall that had gotten involved with the organization at its inception in Houston and said, Hey, you're at the time we had just 
not terribly long prior opened our office in Houston, the firm had. And so it was a suggested by those folks that, hey, you might consider becoming a member and seeing what it's all about. And the rest, I suppose, is history. Okay. And then what prompted you to want to serve on the thankless job of being on the board? I say thankless. I'm sure Christine thanks you. Yes. Yes. Honestly, Christine approached me and asked me to consider running for the role, putting my name in the hat for the role. Like I then serve and still serve as secretary. I think it was probably because I'm maybe just a little less, but but likely quite similarly OCD as she is. She, she and I, you know, just kind of have a good vibe in that regard. And, and some other folks that sat on the board at the time, you know, Mike still sits on the board. Tracy Carney was sitting on the board, a, a good friend of mine. Just other folks that um, when I chatted with them, you know, seemed to be a good opportunity. Okay. And so how has it, it worked out? Has it been kind of what you were expecting? It has been. Yeah, we've, you know... BVA has has gotten a handful of referrals out of our involvement in the organization, and and uh, more more importantly than that, to me, I've developed a couple of really good close personal friendships that had I not sat on the board, I wouldn't have ever likely ever made. So oh, that, that's, that's great. Is, yeah, it's as important to me, honestly, as a you know professional referral or the just the personal friendships I've been able to make. Oh, that's great. So it doesn't sound like the worst decision you ever made. No. Oh, gosh, no. We okay, don't have time good. for the list of bad decisions <laughs> I've made in my life. Joining the board of NBDA is definitely not one of them. <laughs> okay. And I mean, don't, don't tempt me. I'm, a, I'm a, a fair bit older than you. So, you know, when it comes to bad decisions, I've had more years to make them. So, you know, so don't get into a bad decision bake off with me. Okay. Because okay, I have my fair share. I have my fair share. So it's been good from a networking perspective in general, being involved with NBDA. And then being on the board has contributed to some personal enjoyment, satisfaction, friendships. Is that about yeah. right? That is about right. Okay. What any other benefits do you appreciate about being involved in NBDA that come to mind? So my part of my role within the organization as secretary is to check in folks as they show up for the signature events okay. and the happy hours are it's kind of my two big, other than taking, you know, meeting minutes, but uh, specific to the signature events, I think the content, the speakers have been nothing short of phenomenal, right? And, and I'm more of a, a technical client service, you know, I do BD because you have to, to fill the pipeline, to do the the nerdy valuation work that I like. So I'm not a pure BD person and I still find the takeaways from those speakers to be just incredible. So it's, it's been very professionally fulfilling in that regard as well. That's, that's great. That's been my experience too, from, because I've been around the organization uh, less directly than you since it's founding be because I'm, married to Christine. So, but yeah, so I've attended (laughs) events over the last decade on and off and yeah, I would echo those sentiments. So now let's shift gears a little bit to business development. You'd mentioned it's, it sounds like it's not necessarily how you would prefer to spend every waking hour, but it is a part of your role as a partner with your firm. You do need to originate business. Is that about right? 
It is. And the lines, as you know, between it, it's difficult to, to silo them off, right? Because effect, in a way, you're the best referral you can get for yourself or the best business development you can do is to do good client work, right? And sure. so they're not mutually exclusive. But yes, I mean, it, it, it was not if you had told my 22 year old self coming out of grad school that I would be selling work as a significant part of my day to day job, I would have you know, had a very open agape mouth at the time, right? As yeah. a true nerdy accountant, that would have seemed just terrifying to me. Okay. Well, fortunately, they didn't tell you that when they hired you that you'd be doing that. <laughs> Correct. Ten years later. That is, is good. Speaking of that, I actually have two kind of unconventional questions. And one of them you've touched on, so why don't we skip gears to that one? So if you could go back in time and give advice to your 22-year-old self, knowing what you know now, what advice might you give yourself? Wow. I, oh, so these are going to be answers I doubt you expect. So I would tell myself That's it's the idea. okay to wear my amazing shoes. Like, you know, some people have habits, right, that we don't you know, need to get into here. But mine is a shoe habit. And I have a phenomenal portfolio of not inexpensive shoes. And sure. I would tell myself, my 22-year-old self, that once you can afford those pretty shoes, just buy them. And if they're bright orange, wear them. And who cares, right? Professional, right? But I, I would I would tell my young self that you are going to be successful because you're a driven human and that you're not stupid and not to be embarrassed. It has taken me, what, 13 years in this role at, at the firm to really embrace my success as opposed to almost be apologetic for it. And I would tell myself back then, it's okay to be good at your job at 25. It's totally fine. You know what I mean? You should own it and don't be like, well, I'm so sorry, but you know. Right. Don't be afraid to acknowledge your success. That's right. I really like the way you describe your shoe collection. I've re I've heard it referred to a collection, but not a portfolio. I find that a fascinating <laughs> description. Is that the accountant in you is your kind of rationalization that if you think of that as like an investment portfolio, then it's easier to justify the cost of premium footwear? Uh, I, potentially, potentially. I've also, you know, the house is burning down. My husband knows to get the cat and my shoes and we'll figure out the rest of it, right? In that order, does the cat come first? Oh, 100%. Okay. All right. So that's, that's good to know. Well, that is, that is, I asked that question to everybody and you're the first person to give me the, uh, tell yourself the permission to wear your amazing shoes. So I think it's awesome. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Okay. So that's one of the two unexpected questions. So why don't we get back on track here? So we were talking about business development. You were saying there's not really a hard line between the the actual technical work versus business development, because if you are talking to a CPA that you're doing a current project for through that uh, interaction and say it's the first project they've sent you, if you give them confidence that you're going to meet the deadline, that the work's going to be done well, that alone will you know, likely increase your probability of getting another referral from that CPA. So that time spent is, is really a form of BD, right? Absolutely. That's the best, the, the best referral source you can get for yourself, right? The best form of BD is, is excellent client work. Absolutely. Sure. Sure. 
No, that makes sense. So when you think about like your own best practices for for business development, it seems like like if I asked you what a few of them might be, the one of them would likely be do great client work. What what uh, other best practices might you say that you have or strategies that you follow yourself? You have to make time for it. I, I have you know friends that, and it's easy, right? We're all busy. We all lead very busy lives and have personal lives and, and actual client responsibilities and all of that. But I, I can tell you any number of people that I work with on a regular basis that talk about how their referral sources just fell off of a cliff because they didn't engage, right? You have to make the time to stay front of mind or at least middle mind. Of, of people, right, of your referral sources. And whether that's just a quick email every now and again or a cup of coffee or a phone call or something, it you have to be, I think, a little diligent in your efforts to just stay front of mind of people. Right. Yeah, that that makes sense. So make it a priority, do great client work. Anything else that comes to mind for BD best practices that you try to follow? I don't the only other thing I, I can think of is, you know, I mentioned to you, we were chatting earlier in the conversation just about we are the, the LIFO, right? And so so I understand my position in the, the greater scheme of things is, is very minimal to make a direct client end client referral to a referral source of mine, right? And so so part of our my my thinking in BD is, is, of course, to do a good job, but also to be a connector and as helpful as I can be to my referral sources that might be well served by meeting each other because I can't, it's really hard for me to make a direct client referral. So, you know, if a CPA is looking for a good estate planning attorney connection, then that's, I'm happy to make that connection for those folks. And I I think not being so, so myopic in that, let me extract out of this relationship only that which benefits me, but rather thinking more, how can I help the other people involved in this? whatever mm-hmm. this is, right? Being a connector, I think, is also equally important, at least for me, because that's a, that's a value I can bring to the table because I can't, and except for very limited circumstances, make direct client referrals to people. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it because if a CPA is referring you to a client, you can't very well refer that client to another CPA. And they probably already have you know, the other pieces of the professional team in place that that you need to uh, respect, right? Right. Absolutely. Okay. That makes sense. When you meet a referral source for the first time, what are some of the things you do to, to try to build rapport and trust with them? Show, show them your shoes? Uh, what are some <laughs> well, of your... Well, talking point. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just try to find some personal connection, right? Something, you know, it's it's still intimidating to meet a new person for the first time. And I think if you find something that you, the two of you have in common, you know, even if it's, you know, your love for a sports team or a color or, I don't know, a car or something, right? I mean, it's just something gives you a natural starting point for the conversation. And then from there, I think, you know, people want to refer work to those people they like. And so I think it just gives you. So be likable, be likable and not annoying. Be likable and not annoying. Try to be. You know, I'm going to change. 
I'm going to change my whole strategy. I, all this time, I've been doing the opposite. I've been annoying and, and unlikable. So I'm going to shift my strategy. So thank you for that. For that, no, seriously, that's uh, that, that's that's great. I, I think you're right that finding a, a personal connection is a great starting point. I'm changing all of my CDs now to just have the. Not annoying and likable. That's the rest of it. Uh. <laughs> yeah, the rest of it doesn't really. I mean, that's just kind of gravy, right? Right, right. Well, you know, it's funny because there's a client of the company called Strategic Coach, which is an entrepreneurial coaching program in Chicago. And the founder, Dan Sullivan, talks about the four referability habits that he says somebody that if you want to get referred, you have to exhibit these four characteristics. And they seem about as obvious as be likable and not be annoying. But he says the four things are show up on time, do what you say you're going to do, finish what you start, and say please and thank you. And, and to me, that kind of falls into that same you know kind of category. It's just, you know, they're simple things, but think about the folks who you just you know, don't really click with or kind of disappointed with, it seems like they violate several of those, right? They're, they're always late, you know, they, they're, they don't, you know, do what they're supposed to do. You know, they're borderline rude, you know, you have lunch with them and they're kind of rude to the, the wait staff. And so, yeah, so I think you've summarized it better. It takes Dan four tips, but you've you know, kind of narrowed it down to two. You've distilled it down to two. Be likable and not annoying. Awesome. Although his his be on time speaks to me. It's that is that's huge. Uh, speaks to you in terms of it's a struggle or something that annoys no, no. you when other people are Some, not on time. That the latter. Yeah. yeah. It's a respect yeah. thing, in my opinion, right? right? Yep. So uh, no, that that totally speaks to me. Yep, I, I I completely agree. That's that's one of my one of my pet peeves. So, other than doing great work and attending NBDA events, how else do you spend your time developing relationships and uh, new business? Attending other networking events mm-hmm. uh, and locally in Houston. You know, ACG is a good one for us. Women's Finance right. Exchange is a great one for us. And then um, also being involved just within my professional organization. So nationally, I hold a board position with the American Society of Appraisers. I'm chairing their international conference in for business valuation in a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, and so it's just, it's having leadership roles within our, you know, valuation, evaluation community, not so much to the, to the, I can get the limelight, but rather, you know, BBA can continue to build its brand and get the national recognition. You know, I, I think we're capable of, of competing at that level. And that's just uh, another way in which we can do that. Okay. No, I th- no, that's, that's great. I would, I would completely uh, agree. Uh, is there anything that comes to mind that you've learned from your network building that's uh, been particularly valuable that you've learned or come across? I think, you know, the other piece of advice I would give my younger self is not to try to force an organization to fit. So when I first came to Houston, moved 
moved back to Houston. I was young and trying to build this office and so would go to all these different networking events from a whole bunch of organizations. And it was almost as though, you know, meeting one or meeting two, I could, my, my inner spidey sense would say to me, you know, this is not the best fit for you or for BBA. But I, I kept questioning my sense of, well, do I really know that, right? Am I mm-hmm. sure? I kind of felt like a quitter if I would stop going to, to some organization after just a couple of meetings. And I wish, you know, that would be my other, that would be my, I think, a, another takeaway or another tip, right? If something doesn't feel right to you, if you go to a couple of meetings and you think this is not going to be a good fit for me for X, Y, Z reason, it's okay to bail, right? Because chances are it probably isn't a good fit for you or your, or your company. Right. No, I think that's great. That's great advice. Let's see. So how do you recharge and stay focused uh, on your business development goals? I know you'd mentioned that you are very responsive and will respond to emails outside of eight to five, Monday through Friday. Do you do you have a way to get some downtime? I'm working on that. We'll go with that. Uh, no, I mean, look, I... <laughs> Hey, I, trust me, I'm, my wife, I, I understand what, uh, what being very committed to your, your craft looks like. So I work out every day. Does that count? Okay. I think that's um, great. Yeah. I mean, part of it is just, you know, I have a metabolism of a, of a sloth in reverse. So part of it is, you know, survival skills, but part of it is, you know, in the morning, I just like to start my morning with working out and clearing my head and watching mm-hmm. some really stupid girly TV show when I get ready in the mornings, right? And and not thinking about work for a little bit, certainly checking my work email, don't get me wrong, but not check, you know, not not thinking about what we're going to do on this report or that report. I acknowledge from a personal development standpoint, though, I mean, that is certainly an area in which I could get better. I work a lot. And, you know, my laptop, my friends have named my laptop. So it goes (laughs) with me like a a guest at dinner, you know? Um, I love it. I I love it. Um, so so I, there's room to improve, but I I think you know I maybe I'm wired differently. Maybe it's my youth. I really don't know, but somehow I can survive on working a lot and not getting a lot of sleep. But I definitely I definitely work out, and I'm in a book club, so oh, I love good. to read. And my book club forces me to read like a book a month, right? Because after that, I would think, oh, I've got to do all this other stuff for work or whatever. Um, so at least, and we typically read fiction so I can kind of escape mm-hmm. chapter a day, right? In that way. Oh, that's awesome. So working out and reading, those are two of my, of my favorites as well. So I'm curious when you watch the, the girly TV shows getting ready now, you know, my guess is you're watching it mostly just to check out their shoe portfolio, right? Just to see how it matches up. Cause I'm guessing you're thinking, Oh my God, that would never make the cut to, to my portfolio. Is that, is that why you watch that? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm doing what you recommended, right? I'm trying to use the shoes as an anchor for, to, to, for the rest of our conversation. So thank you for that. What would you say to somebody that you were hiring out of school that was kind of, uh, you know, a, a 12 year younger version of you who maybe doesn't think they would have any interest in BD, but that you think they have the skills it might take. What might you, you say to them to encourage them or give them confidence or uh, yeah, current, you know, confidence or, uh, or willingness. I would say start small. So there's no reason to tie the anchor around your 
ankles and jump off a diving board into a deep end. It's, it can be overwhelming, incredibly stressful, right? Start small. Start with your alumni association. That, okay. that naturally gives you something to talk about with other people. We all went right. to you. We all went to Baylor, right? right? When did you go? What do you think of the football team, right? I mean, you've got sure. something you can naturally engage in a conversation with those folks. And so I would say start small. Start like that. You know, get your feet wet, figure out what, if you like it, if you don't like it, what types of events you like or don't like, and then pick one, maybe two other professional organizations with counsel of a mentor or something and try those out. You know, baby step your way into it. Have a friend at another organ, at another firm that could be like your, I, I have a friend like this, that we call each other work spouses, right? Somebody right. that's a trusted advisor at a different organization that you could go to and say, Hey, buddy, did you know what's your take on this organization? And know that they will give you their, you know, their their honest opinion. And there's no repercussions for you internally within your organization. Right. But, but really, it would be start small, just so you don't get over because it can be overwhelming, right? Uh, just sure. you know, start small. Start with alumni or young professionals organizations. Just something where you already have a little something in common with with everybody else and play the, be ready to play the long game. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I first started, I was a little flabbergasted that, that, that referrals just weren't raining on my head. Like they are right. now, right? right. Because it, it takes time, you know, and if you don't make your first sale for six months or a year or two years, that's okay. You're planting little seeds in a garden that one day are just going to grow like crazy. And you're going to kind of wish maybe you hadn't planted so many seeds along the way. <laughs> That is awesome. Well, this has really been fun. I can't believe how the time has flown by. Is there anything that we should have covered that we didn't? I don't think so. Okay. Well, good. Well, this has been fun. Lori Lee White, partner at BVA Group. So thank you for taking time to be on the podcast. This was really uh, a lot of fun. And uh, I really appreciate uh, some of the insights you, you provided. So and I know our listeners will. So thanks for making time. Of course. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at podcast.nbda.co. And you can find out more about being a member of the National Business Development Association at nbda.co. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.